Hello, my little bear cub. It's Papa Bear here. And so Mama I, Bear. I want, dude. What? We have not had the vote. I think it's time. We haven't had the vote, though, so you can't just be declaring yourself, giving yourself titles. Who's vote? Who, who's voting? The Bear Cubs. When? We'll figure it out. Don't worry about <sighs> it. Okay, welcome back to Secondhand Therapy. We'd like to remind you, Papa Bear would like to remind you, and this dirty bitch to my right would like to shut her on down while I'm talking. <sighs> we're not therapists. We're not licensed. We're not experts. We're just doing our best out here, sharing our experience, and uh, hopefully it'll help you. Hopefully you get some laughs or something. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Okay. Enjoy the show. Hit the music. Thank you. Okay, love you. Bye. talk about grief should we give a little backstory into our journeys to grief before we get in our journeys through grief oh i feel like this is going to be like a three-parter <laughs> it might be <laughs> i think i think you know what i think the introduction to grief should be kind of mm, our, our origin story okay you go first what why? Because Papa Bear makes the rules and go first. Because I have the most dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it all started when I was 10 years old. And mm-hmm. my uncle died. <laughs> no, I, uncle. I actually, yeah, I had three, I had three big deaths uh, back to back to back when I was young, starting mm-hmm. at 10. Okay. Um, uh, my uncle died. Uncle Mike? Uncle Mike. Mm. Was murdered in Texas. Yeah. Then my grandpa got Alzheimer's about a year and a half after that. Alzheimer's, yeah. Yeah, what did I say? Alzheimer's? Yeah, what'd you say? Alzheimer's? There's a Z in there. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's just what the disease is called, but yeah. Yeah, Alzheimer's, sure. And then about a year after that, I lost my father. Mm. So, three pretty big male figures in my life. Yeah. Gone. Uh, From... 10 to 12-ish, 9 to 12-ish, somewhere around there. So back then, what what did, do you remember grieving or what it felt like? I remember people around me, but not really feeling those things myself. Because as a kid, you don't really know, even when my father died, I really didn't know what that meant as a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. You just, it's it's hard to wrap your mind around that this person is just gone forever. Right, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, I, I remember people around me hurting and I remember how the energy and how they felt and that kind of thing. But as far as myself and maybe I'm blocking some of that out, Yeah, you know, um, I was the one who found my father. And mm-hmm. so there's definitely gotta be some, <laughs> some trauma blocking. Yeah. I would, as, I would assume. Yeah. Fine. One finding a dead body is something, but finding your dad is gotta be, yeah, there's gotta be yeah, some, yeah, a lot of trauma with that. The reason I ask is, um, the first big death I dealt with was my grandfather, um, who was like my dude, like where I get my sense of humor, like all that, like my, like he's my fucking guy. And he passed away when I was, 12 okay and I remember being sad like I was really sad um I don't remember being like devastated and gutted by it which is odd because that's how I feel about it now really mm-hmm. you feel worse about it now than you did when it happened yeah I just think as as a 12 year old I just didn't get it yeah and you know, my mom was always so good at 
acting like everything's okay. So her grief was at the funeral and that was pretty much it that I saw. Yeah. Um, moms be momming like that. Moms be momming. Italian moms be momming. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like now I like, I'll talk about it with my mom and I'm like, it makes me so sad. Just think about as a grown man now, like if he was still around, just the fucking laughs that we would have. Yeah. Oh my God. It breaks my heart that I'll never, never get to joke around with him as an adult. I think also what's interesting is as a kid, when a grandparent dies, it doesn't really register that that is your parent's parent. Yeah. Was that your, your, your mother's father? Yes. Yeah. So that doesn't register as a kid that like, Hey mom just lost her dad. Mm -hmm. It's just like, Oh yeah. Grandpa or grandma, whatever. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's mom's mom. That's mom's dad. Yeah. And I think we have this in common with grief is everybody that I've lost, especially the the big ones like my grandfather and then my, my girlfriend a few years ago, unscheduled, unexpected. Nobody was in hospice. Nobody had cancer. It was all day of shit. And I wonder the difference in grief if you see it coming. Oh, I could tell you that. (laughs) Let me open up my Rolodex here. Yeah. Um, My grandmother died in hospice. Well, in... Well, she was in hospice like yeah. four or five times. <laughs> she had been on and off hospice for years, you mm-hmm. know, uh, trying to kick the habit, you know. Um, but it was, a, it was a slow burn. And my yeah. grandfather had Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, yeah. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, yeah. Which, holy shit, to watch somebody go through mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. Some days I would go visit him and I was his son, his dead son, his recently dead son. Yeah. Um, some days I was his wife. Some mm-hmm. days I was an old war buddy. Yeah. And I would see him treat other people in and out of the rooms the same way. Sometimes he didn't even recognize my grandmother. Yeah. And they'd been together since she was in her early, early 20s. You know how it is back mm-hmm. then. You meet somebody, you're 19, you're like, this is the love of my life. Right. <laughs> and then you just, you build a house in the woods somewhere and, and then that's your person. Yeah. Um, so they've been together forever, forever. And to see him not even recognize who she was sometimes. It's a weird thing, man. It's so painful. And to see them slowly slip away into themselves and lose their own identity is such a mind fuck as well. Yeah. Um, that is, I remember those moments as a kid, being around that, visiting him, seeing that take place. And I remember that hurting because it was that he was just kind of checked out and he would mm-hmm. have fits. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of people with, uh, with that have like these like moments of rage, these outbursts and, yeah. um, they don't remember how old they are or what, you, you know what I mean? And so they, they think they're, you know, he thought he was 18 and in the war again mm-hmm. and he's trying to fight the orderlies and he's, yeah. you know, screaming at people. It's heartbreaking to watch. Um, yeah, Alzheimer's is like, I think that's one of the worst things you can, that can happen to somebody. Yeah. That is a horrific, horrific disease. I would much rather, having seen it both ways a few times in my life, with people close to me and people not so close to me, Mm -hmm. I, I would much rather have the sudden death than the slow burn. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. It's incredibly hard. Even in my grandmother's situation, you just slowly watch them fade. Mm -hmm. That's harder than them just gone in one moment. Oh my God. This is blowing my mind right now. Because at least, at least then... I'm going to double back here. Okay. When you lose people, you start treating people that are in your life differently. Mm -hmm. I, 
I hug everybody. I tell everybody I love them. I, I make sure it's known. Like all these things that you hear about, you know, these kind of cliche things, like make sure you tell people. You, that's for fucking real, dude. Yeah. Because I, it could happen in an instant. Mm. And at least in those moments, you know, you have that connection with that person and knowing like they know exactly how I feel about them. They know exactly what's going on. They know I've been there. They've been there for me. The, the love is there. All of that is there in those sudden moments. When people fade away, again, sometimes they don't even remember who they are. And so you also, they're losing themselves. You're losing them. Yeah. And the last memories you have of them is not who they are. Yeah. And how do you know if they even know who you are, or how you care about them, or anything like that? Yeah, you don't. Right. So at least there's some sort of, I mean, there's never a guarantee, but as close as you can get to a guarantee about being like, yeah, this person was in a car crash, or this person it was a sudden death of something like that. Mm -hmm. But they know, like the last time we spoke to them, I told them how much I missed them. I told them how much I loved them and vice versa or whatever. Mm. And I think that's where we get a lot into these ideas of regret when people are like, oh, the last time we talked, it didn't end on good terms, and you let yeah. that eat yourself alive. And oh, oh my God, that that just boils in you forever. Um, so it's important to let people know how you feel about them while they're here and update that shit. <laughs> yeah. Cuz you never know. You'd rather have you'd rather have a slow fade than I feel like yeah. It dude, getting a phone call that someone just doesn't exist anymore mm -hmm. is one of the biggest mind fucks I think you can experience. So what do you you want more time? I just, I, I, I don't know, man. I want to see it coming. You don't think it would hurt worse? I don't know. I've only had it this one way. Yeah. You know, my grandpa had, he was fine and he didn't feel right. They took him to the hospital. He died at the hospital. Yeah. My girlfriend had an accident and I just got a call. I was like, wow, I haven't, I haven't heard from her today. Mm. And I called her dad and said, Hey man, is everything all right? And he goes, nobody's heard from her today and i was like oh no yeah and then you you know you figure out there was an accident and da da da, da and so i don't know it, it might be a thing of you know the grass is greener or whatever but yeah maybe knowing they have cancer and knowing it's terminal and knowing i think that might be a different situation when we're talking about disease versus other ways you know that's what i'm talking about like yeah i like hey you got six months and i know i have six months that six months is gonna suck because yeah. when you have the like when you have the date and you know it's coming like that's pretty rough but and you know what maybe not because you you can't prepare for grief no you either you're either that's what i'm asking is like do you want more time because you're either going to get time while they're sick and they're and you know they're dying, or yeah. you're gonna get time after you get the news, and to, I mean just to wrap your mind around, yeah, goodbye. I don't fucking know, dude. I don't know. Yeah, grief's the worst part of life, and yeah, there's no way to make it easy. So yeah, maybe yeah, maybe I'm just fucking daydreaming here. Like yeah, it would be easier somehow, but it's, it wouldn't be easier. Because I think I think too when you when we have this kind of buffer period, when we know, I think that also opens itself up to so much more regret. I knew he was sick, and I should have spent more time. I knew that they were do, and then you're like, oh, you're really kicking yourself. Oh yeah, don't worry um, about that. I don't. Regret's gonna happen no matter what. My mother was. My mother was coughing up blood for about a week before she passed. She had alpha-1 disease, 
which is a, a lung thing, which pretty much means like you're you lose more and more of your young your lung as the years go on. Mm. She was operating in like thirty five percent of her lungs at this point. She had to have somebody come in once a week and give her a shot and hook her up to an oxygen machine. And she eventually had <coughs> oxygen machines in in the house, and she would have to she couldn't even walk up the stairs without having them one upstairs, one downstairs kind of thing. Yeah. I will say the stairs at your mom's house were a, Oh, they were a nightmare, dude. <laughs> I I have never seen a steeper set of stairs in a home in my life. Everybody it was like <laughs> it was it was like that was what you had to do to get past to be in the family. You had to fall down those stairs yeah. once. Yeah, uh, I, I went to your mom's house one time yep. and I fell. <laughs> and I fell. Yeah. 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 Sorry, go ahead. The last like seven through. stairs, you're like, doo, 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 doo. yeah. And then you have to worry about hitting your head on that. Oh, that stairway was, yeah, it was, it was a fucking problem. Yeah, it was a problem. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Um, in those, in those moments, I was checking in with my mother. Mm-hmm. She was also doing, you know, moms be momming. She's telling me everything's fine, not to worry about it. You know, she's downplaying it. She's telling me things like, well, you know, I did go to the hospital last Tuesday. Well, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. So I came into town um, for something else. I was going to Indianapolis for a graduation. The girl I was seeing at the time, my ex-fiance, her brother was graduating, so we were there. I almost didn't go home to see my mother that weekend. Yeah. Just because every time we had been back home we had spent more time with my family than hers. Right. Um, but it was my mother's birthday weekend. Uh, so we went in, we spent a few days with her and again, mom be momming. She's making dinner and uh, cleaning the just acting like everything's fine. And I'm asking her questions and we had some great time together and great moments, you know? Yeah. But I didn't know how serious it was. I, before I left to come back to LA, I had checked with everybody, grandma, aunt Mary, mom, like, okay, how serious is this? Do I need to stay? What's going on? No, it's fine. The doctor says it's, it's old blood because every once, every year she has pneumonia at least once because of this lung disease. Mm -hmm. And so the doctors, when she went to the hospital a couple times, they told her that they think that it's just like kind of old blood that's scarred up inside her chest and and lungs. And she was just kind of coughing that loose and not to worry about it. Um, so everybody reassured me that it was going to be fine. Not to worry. Like you can head back to LA. Yeah. And I did. Yep. And two days later, I get the phone call. And mom had an aneurysm in her sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember getting that phone call about your mom. <laughs> yeah. Stunned. Yeah. <sighs> now, Sorry. not exactly a slow burn. But something that I was kind of aware of. Yeah. Now, in that small amount of time, that little window there of like, hey, something weird's going on. Oh, mom's dead. Mm -hmm. There's just enough in there for me to carry guilt and regret and all those things with me to go, you should have checked on her more. Why'd you go back to L.A.? Why didn't you ask more questions? Why didn't you do this? Why, 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 why? Yeah. I think that's the problem with fading away. That's the problem with slow burn. Even in that small window, I carry so much with me. Yeah. Imagine if that would have dragged out for six months. Hey, your mom has six months to live. Yeah. Imagine all of the why, why, whys I I would have. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. I, there's there's no easy way. No. There's no way to make it easier. It's not. Yeah. It's a, it's, I truly believe it's the worst part of life. Losing people. Uh, so what did grief look like for you at the beginning? 
As a child? After your mom. Oh, God. Um, I went numb. Purposefully numb. I... Uh, it was, I just, <laughs> I just started, um, smoking weed a, a couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of new in the weed game. And, um, if you know anything about marijuana, it makes everything better, even grief. <laughs> and it, I used it, uh, very abusively in a numbing sense. Mm-hmm. And, if I was awake, I was high, so I couldn't feel it. And I went back to work, uh, like maybe two weeks after that. I was flying back. This is how crazy it was. I was flying back and forth from doing shows, like I'd be in fucking Portland doing shows on the weekend, fly to Ohio, cleaning out, cleaning out my dead mother's house for the week, and then flying to, you know, Iowa to do the funny bone on the weekend. And then flying back to Ohio, cleaning out my dead mother's house. Then flying back to LA just to, you know, get yeah. stuff there. And yeah, that's how I was operating. Kind of like how nothing happened, business See, as usual. You didn't allow yourself to grieve. Oh God, not for not not for a while. After the first it took me about a year and a half. It's a long time. Yeah. I didn't want it to be real. Yeah. And I kept it from being real for as long as I could. Yeah. To the point, and you and I have had this conversation, to the point where the only time that I was processing my mother's death was in my sleep because that's when I would sober up. Yeah. So I would be high the entire day and night or whatever, and then I would go to bed and then, you know, in the middle of the night, like three, four in the morning when the weed wears off in your sleep, <laughs> I would wake up in full on crying fits. And I don't mean like, oh, I woke up kind of sad or I woke up, you know, and had a couple tears in my eye and it was weird. I mean, I am full on bawling my eyes out at four in the morning. Yeah. That's how I was waking up. And then I would get up out of bed, finish crying for a minute, go in pack a bowl, get real high, go back to bed. Yeah, I didn't do any weed. I was terrified that it would make it worse. Did you grieve immediately? I tried to. Um, After I got the phone call, I called my mom. She drove up from... Tucson to Phoenix. I was living in Phoenix at the time. Uh, and she brought me back to Tucson with her. Hmm. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to go anywhere. She's like, yeah. You, she's like, I, I can't leave you alone right now. Like she, you know, she thought I was going to kill myself or something, but yeah. Um, and yeah, that first, those first few days, uh, I think I was in shock. Uh, like I would still, I would have like random breakdowns throughout the day. I would just start bawling out of nowhere. Yeah. And then after that, I felt pretty okay. Like I, tr- I really think I was just in shock and denial. Um, and then I, I went back to Phoenix a couple days later and I got into therapy. Oh God, you 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 did this way better <laughs> than I did. It didn't do anything. It was a complete waste of time. Yeah, yeah. I just went in there. I don't know why. Because I was like, oh, this is what you do. This is how you grieve. And mm-hmm. I went in there and didn't talk about anything that was going on. I just said what happened, and like I just felt like I was following the steps of what you're supposed to do. And I didn't really get anything out of it. Um, What I didn't understand at the time, and looking back now is very clear, is that grief 
it it ta- it bleeds into every aspect of your life. Oh fuck! Yeah, it, yeah. It it <laughs> it's with you at work. Mm-hmm. It's with you at the gym. It's with you at the store. It's it it is life for a while, and there's n- there's no way around it. There's no avoiding it. Um. Yeah, it's. You can't run from it. You can run for a while. You can really try. <laughs> you can really try, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's no escaping it. And um, yeah, it was just waiting for me in my sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, you hear people like, "Oh, I just I go to work to keep myself busy," and okay, like cool, good strategy. You know, I I had a complete breakdown the first time I shaved my head and like all that shit. I fucking lost it. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's when my grieving kind of started. When I I just yeah, I shaved my head and then I went to work and I was like, "Why'd you shave your head?" And I was like, "Hey, don't fucking talk to me." <laughs> yeah. And I literally just sat at my desk mm-hmm. and looked at my computer for eight hours. Did, did, no awareness of what was going on. No production at all. Went home. Sulked, moped, cried, ate, ate a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I eat what, uh, yeah, I, I, w- I got up over like 400 pounds at that point. And, um, yeah, went to sleep and got up, went to work, sat at my desk and just repeated it over and over and over until... I realized what was happening and I was like, Oh, I've, I've been a zombie. I've been like Mm. borderline catatonic for six months. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I decided (laughs) I should probably just quit my job and go move to the beach (laughs) and deal with this. Yeah. So that's what I did. Quit my job, sold my house, sold my car, bought a truck, and just packed up and went to the beach and decided I'm I'm just going to go to somewhere that's peaceful so I can figure out what the rest of my life looks like without this person. And the second day I got to the beach, there was a house fire. (laughs) That's a different story, but... Yeah, that was my plan. I ignored it for a while. I was a zombie for a while. And then I just blew up my life and sold everything and decided if my life's going to look different now, that it should look a little bit like I want it to look. Yeah. And yeah, I decided that wasn't a desk job. That wasn't any other shit and you know losing her helped me realize that uh, life is if there are no unexpected things that happen to you life is really long yeah. life is very very long um, the years go by quick the days go by slow but life is really long and you had to do your best to not be miserable for that time. Um, took me a while to get there, but that's where grief led me. Interesting. Two things. Mm. I think that that phrasing is so true is the only way out is through. Mm-hmm. And I think that rings so true with grief is like, you have to feel it. Yeah. You have to let yourself feel yeah. what it is because that avoidance is just that. It's just prolonging it. You're going to feel it. Because even when you're, uh, when you're avoiding, you're still feeling it. You're mm-hmm. just not allowing yourself to let it out. You're not processing it. Yeah. Yeah. The only way out is through. Mm-hmm. And two... What you said about life being long, I I remember having these 
very vivid thoughts of like, you know, I lost, I lost Wayne when I was 30 and lost mom at 30 or well, 30, I was like right on 31, somewhere around. I was, I was I just turned 31 in February, lost Wayne in January, mm-hmm. then lost mom a year later, 32. And I remember having those thoughts of what do you do without your parents for the rest of your life? Yeah. I had, I'm 30, you know, like what the, f- I at least have 30 more years, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, so what do you do without your fucking mom? Yeah. That, that thought haunted me so much. And it was something that I was avoiding and hiding from for a long time with that idea of like, what do you do without your mom? And, it, I think that's true for anything when you lose somebody or anybody, right? It's like, well, what do you do without your this? What do you do without your that? And I think that's also a common question people ask. Like, what do I do after somebody dies? Mm-hmm. And to your point, you live. Yeah, I know you, it sounds cheesy and whatever, but yeah, like... You find a way to move forward. Yeah, when somebody dies, what do you do? You live. You fucking live. It and it's um Yeah, you either yeah, you, I mean it's literally you either adapt or it's gonna eat you alive. Oh god, yeah. That's that's it. You don't have to adapt right away. It's not gonna happen overnight. But yeah, you Yeah. You 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 learn to understand how heavy it is. And you eventually get strong enough to carry it around with you. And uh, then it feels just like a regular backpack. Yeah. And you're just carrying it around every day. And it feels normal because you've gotten that much stronger. It does not weigh any less. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. The phrase that I love, and I heard this on an old NPR interview, and I wish I could remember this, this author that they were talking to. Oh my gosh. But he said the most real fucking thing I heard, which was, uh, it, it never hurts any less. It just hurts less often. Mm. Oh my fucking God, dude. When I, I still have moments where I think, Oh, I haven't talked to my mom in a while. I should call her. Mm -hmm. And then you have to remind yourself, Oh yeah, you can't call her. And, and it, you know, you get back in that cycle and it hurts just as much as it did when I first got the phone call. Yeah. It hurts just as bad as the first time you find out. But that's not every moment. That's not even every day. Mm. Time goes by and it's less and less and less. So it never hurts less, but it hurts less often. That was, that was one of the <clears throat> hardest things for me to accept, process, understand, whatever, is that, like, yeah, man, time does not stop for oh. anybody. Life life isn't going to stop. Like, and it's, it's this weird, infuriating, so painful of a thing when you're, you're, all, you're frozen in time in this, shock denial Mm -hmm. pain and everyone is acting normal yeah like nothing happened and i remember i don't know if you i it made me so goddamn fucking angry Mm -hmm. i go to the grocery store and and, hey have a nice day what yeah oh you're gonna talk to me like nothing just happened are you like they don't know they have no idea but it's such a weird thing and it, those constant reminders that hey, life goes on. It will continue to go on no matter how bad you're hurting, no matter what's going on. That was one of the hardest parts of grief for me. Yeah. Like that everybody else is okay. And they didn't get it. That the world lost this incredible person. Mm. And they didn't care. Mm-hmm. Didn't miss a step. Ooh, made me so fucking mad. <laughs> I think that's why it's so important to check on and be in people's lives so like 
after the crowd clears, right? After the funeral and the fucking the food and all that stuff for the couple days and people are like, yeah. you all right? You okay? After the people honor their obligations. Yep. Yeah. That's when it's important to check on people. That's when you, I think that so many people check on people right away or like in those few days or whatever. And then it just goes away. You need to, you need to circle back a week yeah. later, two weeks later. Um, just check in because that's when you're, again, you're, I remember cleaning out my dead mom's house. So I was can taking, it just, a, can it just be your mom's house? Nope. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man. You know, it's interesting. I, I have not been back in that house since, and I do not plan on ever being back in that house. Yeah. That's, and in my mind, it looks just like she had it. Yeah. Even though I stripped it and did all that, but mm-hmm. like in my mind, it, everything's just in its place. That's why I sold my house. Yep. Yep. I was like, there's a lot of memories in here and they are haunting, haunting me. (laughs) I have never felt so alone in my home. This, my, yeah. Yeah, dog. The, uh, you know, the adage of, you know, home is where your heart is. Mm. Yeah. Somebody leaving your home will turn that home into four walls and a roof. Mm-hmm. Real fucking quick. Oh, the when I finally had the house cleaned out and it's stripped and everything is gone and I, I told you this and I've wrote about it and I spoke about it on stage, but this is this is a, a thing I'll share. Is Grandma and I are standing shoulder to shoulder looking at this barren house. Grandma with another banger. Give Grandma it to with him. the banger. She Give said. it to him. We're staring at, at, at this house that used to be my mother's and all it's, you know, stripped. Yeah. And uh, we're just standing there and she just goes, empty house, empty hearts. Yeah. Grandma gets it. Fucking grandma with another banger, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's a weird thing to watch your, your home become a building. Oh God! Just mean it means nothing anymore. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Oh, I did want to go back to this real quick. Okay, uh, I was on my dead mother's porch, your mom's porch, scrolling through Twitter about a week or two after she had passed, mm-hmm. and everybody was at concerts and promoting shows and doing their things and complaining about traffic. Heartless and, fucks they are. Yeah, and yeah. I and I, and those thoughts do come into your mind where you're just like, don't they realize my mom just fucking died? Yeah. Like, wh- wh- what's going on? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm mad at Coldplay. <laughs> yeah. I mean? I'm like, how could they play Madison Square Garden right now? My mom's dead. <laughs> yeah. You don't, yeah, that you don't realize that life is happening without you. Yeah, it will never stop. No. No, and that's that is such a weird thing about grief is that freeze frame that you get into. And again, the sooner that you start participating in processing that grief, the better it's going to be. Yeah. I if, still I still talk to my mother out loud and my grandmother and stuff like I have her photo, I have both their photos up in in my kitchen, mm-hmm. always in my kitchen because that's yeah. where I would have conversations with my mother the most was in her kitchen. And it's a picture of her that my ex-fiance took of her, my mother leaning on the kitchen counter, kind of listen, like leaning in to listen. It's a great picture. Yeah, it's just a candid shot that she got, and it's perfect. Can we put it on Instagram? Yeah, we can throw it up on Instagram. We'll throw it on Instagram for you guys so you can see old Mrs. S. And um, so she's leaning in like she's listening. And so I oftentimes find myself talking out loud to that photo. I think that helps. Yeah. I think keeping them alive in your in your life, I was going to say day to day, but it doesn't have to be every day. You're like, well, let me tell you about my day, mom. But I mean, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. But keeping them active in your life, I think that is important. I think there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. I mean, I and I would say for me, I talked out loud every day for a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, every day, especially when I would try to go to sleep, I always said goodnight. Oh, like, mm-hmm. and that's, that is one thing I would tell people. Um, one, 
let yourself feel what you're feeling. Oh, God, yes. It's okay. It's okay that you are fucking eviscerated and broken. It's okay. You're supposed to be. Take it from two zombies. Yeah. <laughs> Please feel your feelings. Yes. <laughs> and in those, and when you get past, when you get, every period of grief starts with, you're, you're going to be at the bottom of the black hole. Oh, yeah. For a while. It's, it's a non-negotiable part. You will be, but one, once you get out of the black hole, you just let yourself feel what you're feeling and whatever you need to say, if you say it out loud or if you journal or if you want to write them a letter or whatever, whatever you need to get out, just get it out. Mm. I pinky promise you, you will feel so much better saying what you have to say to the people that you miss. Whether it is how much you love them, how much you miss them, how fucking angry you are at them, how much they hurt you, whatever you need to get out, tell them. Tell them out loud. Write them a letter. Write it down. Get it out. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And you don't have to have a foot. Like, I I find myself... In airports, talking to my mother, uh, you know, like oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Like, it doesn't have to be some kind of shrine that you speak to every day. There's no pressure on that. You you can speak to them whenever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're listening. Oh yeah. They. I. And I'm gonna tell you another thing. <laughs> I, I whatever your belief system is, whether it is religion, whether you're an atheist, agnostic, spiritual whatever it is when you talk to these people that are gone they will let you know they are still there oh my god yes and you're gonna think i never believe this shit either but i have had some weird unexplainable shit happen Mm -hmm. and at first it was not comforting <laughs> because I, I spooky. I, I, I was just like, Oh, I just miss her so much. I'm going to make something out of anything. Mm-hmm. at this point. And then things are happening and I'm like, Oh, the odds of this, mm. like it's just, the odds are. I'm, yeah. I'm going to share one. Share uh, one. Cause this one, does it have a butterfly in it? Yeah. Nice. So I'm an atheist, yeah. you know, I got nothing. So it has nothing to do with any of that, right? Um, Again, pretty non-believer and all that kind of shit where you're like, send me a sign kind of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. never been that person. Um, At my mother's funeral, somebody got uh, a bouquet and um, uh, in it had a a live butterfly. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that you were to bring the butterfly out of like the little cage and then release it and supposed to be kind of her spirit kind of thing. Yeah. And my grandmother reached into the little flower thing and got the butterfly out. And, um, (laughs) oh God. And she held the, held it in the air, held her hand in the air and the butterfly wouldn't leave her hand. Yeah. I remember my grandmother shouting, go on, be with Wayne, Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) And the butterfly took off. Yeah. So throughout my life, soon after that, it was always like butterflies was kind of our thing, my mother and I. Um, I would find them in weird times of connecting with her, you know, whatever. So a couple of years go by, and I'm at the San Diego State Fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it wasn't a couple of years. It was like it was about a year after. So I'm at the San Diego State Fair, and when you should have been grieving, right? I should have been grieving. <laughs> I just fucking. And I'm I'm there with my ex fiance and her family, and we're getting. I, I'm walking purposely ahead of them about twenty steps, and I say out loud to you know nobody, um, well to mom, yeah. I say, mom, if this butterfly thing really is you, saying hello or sending me signs every once in a while, prove it to me. Show me a butterfly today. I'm not going to like really look for one or whatever, but like if I come across one, I'll know it's you and I'll know it's real. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking I'm at a state fair or it's in San Diego around the fucking desert. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's no butterflies around. So we go walking into the entrance of the uh, state fair 
the first place we hit is like the 4-H like arts and crafts section. And we're just casually like looking at everybody's little art projects. I turn the corner and <laughs> I'm talking, this thing was probably six or seven feet wide and four or five feet tall. A butterfly made out of sheet metal hung on display up at the, uh, like this like dead end of like all the art, art projects kind of thing, mm -hmm. like bigger than fucking life, bang, right there in front of me. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah. great. I remember just like trying not to cry. Yeah. Oh, you got to cry. Oh, buddy. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I did, I laughed out loud. I laughed. I was like, and I, I said again to my mother, <laughs> I go, okay. All right. I see you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's things like that that you get every once in a while. That again, you don't have to be religious to enjoy that or spiritual or even believe in any of that stuff. Yeah. But it was a nice like, okay, ma. Yeah. All right. Can I tell you one really weird one I had? Mm-hmm. So this was when I was still in my house in Phoenix. Uh, it was at like 3 o'clock in the morning. My smoke alarm starts doing like the chirp thing like not going off but like the low battery chirp mm -hmm. and so I'm like god fucking damn it so and I'm sleeping like such shit at that point that yeah. I'm just like okay I'm up so I was like I may as well fix it I go in the garage get a ladder <clears throat> put the ladder up and I have like high ceilings this is like probably a 14 15 foot ceiling so I get the ladder put it out uh, change the battery in the smoke detector hook it back to the wall, climb down, put the ladder back, keeps chirping. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Get the ladder back out. I keep checking this thing. It's, and it, it's hardwired to the alarm system of the house, so it always has, a, it always has power. Mm. So it has a new battery. It's hardwired with power, keeps chirping, keeps blinking. And I'm sitting there staring at this smoke alarm, being like, how do I turn this thing off? And then I just start talking out loud. Babe, if this is you, one, real fucked up. It's at 3 a.m. <laughs> but two, I'm really happy about it. As soon as I stop talking, the light turns off and it stops chirping. Wow. Yeah. So I just sat there and talked to my smoke alarm for a while. <laughs> isn't that, yeah, isn't that wild? It's when the, you're yeah. Those weird fucking things, man. Yeah. Fuck me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, the point is talk to the people you miss. Just do it. And um, they'll show up for you one way or another. Yeah. And it's going to be real hard to accept, but it's going to feel real good. It's going to be very comforting. Mm -hmm. That comfort will be fleeting but you'll remember what it feels like in the really hard times. Hmm. I'm going to close us out with some advice that I got from somebody that I interviewed a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. he'd he had lost his partner. They were married for over 20 years. And um, he wrote a book about grief and their kind of their story and all of that stuff and it's it's beautiful um we were talking about how to process it and how people sh can show up for you and in, in your life when you are grieving mm -hmm. and how uncomfortable that can be so this yes. isn't this isn't for the people that are grieving this is for the people that know somebody that is grieving and grieving is an ongoing thing. It doesn't just mean like immediately after. Yeah. When somebody you, loses somebody. You are grieving the rest of your life. The rest of their life. I promise you. So this it's will work. Forever. Yeah, this will work even if somebody lost their whatever five, ten years ago, whatever. I'm going to preface this with this because this is the way he brought it up. He's getting older and he had hip surgery. And... People would ask him when close friends and family and stuff like that would 
always ask him about his hip. How's your hip doing after he had the hip surgery? How's your hip doing? How's your hip? Your hip okay? Everybody would ask him that. Mm-hmm. Nobody would bring up his partner. Nobody would bring up his grief. And he thought, I wish the people would. I wish the people would ask me the same way they asked me about that. I wish that friends and family would go, how's your grief? Yeah. Because it's so uncomfortable and nobody knows how to breach it and there's so much pain involved in it. And you're just going through it all forever. And nobody ever talks about it. You're going through it forever and you're going through it alone. Yeah. Because no matter how many people in your life lost this same person, they all had a different relationship with them. It's so isolating. Your grief is going to be so... It's going to be such an individual feeling because you're you're not only grieving the person, you're grieving the relationship, you're grieving the conversations, you're grieving the laughs, you're, you're grieving so many things that you shared with that person. Grieving the future that you... Yeah could have had with them yeah so grief grief is also it's a very lonely thing even though other people will be grieving the same person they're not going to be feeling the same way you are Mm. so go ahead sorry no that's that's great and so if you're listening and you know somebody who's grieving ask them how their grief is yep and i know the intentions are good when you say, hey, if you need anything, give me a call. They're not going to call. They're not going to call. You have to check on them. Just they, show up. They probably won't answer a lot. Keep checking. Mm-hmm. Because they are fucking drowning. Yeah, and I don't mean like show up, like go to their house. I mean, just like show up for them. I mean, that's the best thing you can do is, again, like you said, keep checking in. Because yeah. they are not going to do that. If you have the relationship, show up at their house, show up at their house with ice cream or whatever. Just. They're fucking drowning. Just hold your hand out there and maybe they'll grab it. 